right, we're going to continue with this uh, third morning theme of talking with new ASX-listed companies here on MSD. We don't get to cover the Australian markets, uh, to be quite honest with you. The time change is really hard, <laughs> and a lot of companies that put out news, I'm typically like winding down my day or already asleep. So uh, these are exciting times to kind of get a new feel for what's going on with our friends uh, down under. Happy to do an introduction now with Alexander Scanlon. He is the CEO of Barton Gold. They are operating in South Australia. Uh, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having us. You don't sound very Australian. Uh, good eye. <laughs> uh, no, I am uh, born and raised in the U.S., so okay. I, I made the trek from the U.S. to the U.K. and then U.K. to Australia, so it's been a bit of a, a journey around the world. Uh, f- always in mining? Uh, no, so a uh, bit of a background in uh, real estate generally, but um, structured finance in uh, the U.S. and the U.K., and okay. then when I went to Australia in 2009, it was sort of back into mining and mining-related businesses on a full-time basis. Okay, interesting. So how, tell us about Barton Gold. What are you working on? Really, how did you kind of fall into this into this company? I think the, the company kind of fell into me. So okay. uh, I was I was managing uh, an, investment, uh, an investment company, probably best described as a small family office. And um, so this really followed uh, six or seven years of work doing mixed principal investment and corporate advisory work in Australia. And we were... Uh, you probably remember, you know, there was a really hard period of time uh, from 2012 to 2015 in Australia, and this was this was seeing a lot of companies going through restructuring and disposing of assets. Uh, around 2016, we started looking uh, at just going back to the fully principal side of the business, uh, and we had a really strong gold thesis. So it was really a function of looking forward 10, 20, 30 years and saying, you know, how do we think the world is evolving? What's the global credit set, you know, set up? What's the global uh, geopolitical setup? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we think inflation is a big risk. Okay, well, here in Australia, we're in tier one geology, tier one mining expertise, tier one rule of law, which we think is going to be very important. And as we have seen, is becoming more and more and more important. And... Um, uh, so to, to go to the high level of, of what Barton Gold is, uh, we identified essentially that there is a 130-year-old high-grade gold district in central South Australia. And so this is, this is a, a region that's had two gold rushes over mm-hmm. you know, the end of the 1800s and the end of the 1900s, but then really kind of fell out of recent living memory with the collapse in the gold price in the late 1990s. And in the mid-2000s to the late 2000s, when everybody went rushing back into gold, everybody went back to Western Australia. They went back to the eastern origin of Queensland, but they forgot to go back to South Australia because it just wasn't the muscle memory. Mm -hmm. So we went and we've consolidated uh, pretty much every significant historical exploration and producing asset in this district. And this district sits right next to the really well-known copper district that BHP has now consolidated. Mm. So on the east side of the highway, it's BHP. On the west side of the highway, it's us. Okay. And, you know, roughly equivalent companies, pretty similar, uh, obviously, 200 billion versus, uh, you know, 45 sure. million. Um, <laughs> but our strategy there is, is really to bring uh, the geology out of the past reunite the ground. Uh, we have bought the only gold mill in the region as well. Oh. And so we've now built up a 1.3 million ounce resource base and we are looking at developing a 150,000 ounce production base by bringing these assets into production on a staged basis 
leveraging our existing mill uh, and then using that to go to say 30 to 50,000 ounces and then using that to fund the expansion into a second mill. The idea being leveraging that infrastructure for lower risk but also lower cost mm -hmm. and therefore hopefully much, much, much lower dilution than is typically seen in these types of developments. Okay, uh, give me a sense of this 1.3 million ounces. Is it all centralized into one deposit? Is it dispersed into multiple deposits? Yeah, so the the vast majority of that is actually in one big bulk deposit. So okay. we are, are looking at genuine bulk open pitable mineralization. Uh, so we have 1.15 million ounces at about one gram in our Tunkelia project. And that's that project that we think of as that expansion project, sure. uh, because we would then be stepping from smaller high grade using our mill and this historical high grade gold field, and then stepping into bulk, but very bulk efficient bulk, if that makes sense. We're big fans of open pit mining. Obviously, Australia is well known for high grade underground mining, mm -hmm. but the efficiencies of open pit mining uh, are there to be taken when you're thinking about scale. And of course, it's faster, easier, cheaper, and safer to explore for, develop, and operate open pits. So that's that's how we're aiming to develop this uh, and hopefully become, uh, in doing this, we would become South Australia's largest independent gold producer. And we believe potentially one of the lowest cost gold producers in Australia. Now this is all oxidized? Uh, it's a combination of oxidized and fresh ore. Okay. Um, but of course, the big question is, you know, in the fresh material, is it refractory or non-refractory? Uh, we've been quite fortunate thus far that it's not refractory material. Uh, you know, this is, you know, uh, obviously a, a, an industry problem, particularly with uh, capex costs inflating so much. Oh, sure. And we see, you know, they're they're very well pro uh, very well known projects. Uh, Degray is one that you know many of your listeners probably are familiar with, and they have this phenomenal Hemi project, uh, about nine million ounces in Western Australia, and I think something like ten percent of the feed that will go into their project is refractory. Yeah. But the effect of that is it doubles their capital costs from about 500 million to a billion. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, we had a bit of a forward-looking advantage in acquiring these assets. Um, we acquired them in the beginning of 2020, uh, but a feasibility study had been done back in 2013 that we don't reference publicly because it's done by a former owner on a sure. much, much very outdated, much smaller resource, but we had the benefit of having metallur metallurgical testing in hand, and so we, we could sort of de-risk that element. So what does the flow sheet look like here for so processing? For our, for our stage one, uh, our stage one assets, that sort of intermediate step ladder that we're looking to build using our existing mill, that is a simple uh, jaw and cone crushing yeah. to, dual, you know, to, to dual mills. And then that's just a simple gravity circuit and a CIP circuit, uh, standard leaching. We will have a similar style of development for our second project. Um, you know, the, the metallurgical work that we have so far on that project indicates anywhere between a 90 to 95% recovery, depending upon which phase of mineralization you're in. Okay. So it'll be a fairly standard flow sheet, but we would most likely be doing CIP or CIL as opposed to heap leaching, for example. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. Um, you know, I, I was kind of like looking a little bit through just some of the visuals you have on your website, and I was like, this looks like Nevada. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's very, very similar landscape, right? I mean, so yes, you get a lot of geologists that kind of see there's a lot of similarities in South Australia compared to what you're seeing, say, of the, the Carlin trend. 
Well, look, I mean, I, and I'd, I'd be getting out over my skis to get too far Fair into enough. the geology, Fair but um, <laughs> you know, the, the, I think the the attraction for us in the region was that uh, the Galler Creighton is very, very well known geologically. It's yeah. you know, sort of a globally renowned district, so there is a lot of intellectual property and interest in that area. And where we are, we're just on the western margin of the same basin that holds these sort of major IOCG copper uh, copper gold deposits. Our side of the basin just gets shallower and it gets more goldy. Um, but you know, when we you know when we look at it and when our geologists look at it, yeah, it, it's quite exciting. But the 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 in many ways the stronger analog or the key analog for us when we think about Nevada is that it's that sort of big broad wide open yeah. you know generally pretty flat but yeah. very very accessible um you know in a manner of speaking if you're a mining investor australia is kind of like your version of canada on the other side of the world sure the advantage we have though generally speaking is australia is very very flat so if you have a deposit of one to two million ounces it might be you know might be much much easier to build than a 10 million ounce deposit in northern mm -hmm. Canada or you know the Yukon territories because you don't need a billion dollars worth of infrastructure. Do you have power? Uh, we do have power. So we traditionally these sites have used remote uh, mine power, so you know, diesel generation. Sure. Uh, there are there is mains power running up a highway which runs past the projects. Okay. And there's also power that runs along the rail lines. And so we actually also have kind of a unique orientation. Uh, the transnational rail line that goes from Sydney to Adelaide to Perth and which is the artery for all trade and commerce in Australia runs right through the middle of our projects oh, so really? we have 200 billion dollars worth of rail on our doorstep wow. so if, if ever we wanted to do anything in the form of a bulk product whether that be a concentrate or some other you know mineral that we mine uh, we have a, a very strong logistics advantage. Okay, very good. Um, give us a sense of what's happening in the Australian markets, just out of curiosity, because we you know, we don't cover the Aussie mm -hmm. market at all. Um, you know, what, what is the is it faced with the same challenges we're seeing in in the Canadian market, specifically in resources? Yeah, look, I think globally we have you know a shared malaise in terms of. One, there seems to be a more sort of general pullback and caution right now. Right. Um, obviously, you know, there, there's, there's been a very kind of hot market recently in things like lithium and rare earths. And I think a lot of that excitement has kind of waned a little bit. And yeah. we've seen that in the Australian market as well. We've had a few, uh, a few very notable, very recent events um, in the lithium space that were particular to one very wealthy individual sort of taking blocking stakes in two M&A targets. And that, I think, has startled the market quite a bit, right? Because uh, so we're talking about Lion Town and Azure. I was going to say, you've had a, you've had a couple of big non-events, too. Well, that's and, and that's the thing, right? So when you have when you have two big non-events yeah. around two names that are probably 60 percent of the market awareness of, you know, the lithium upside, that can have a very chilling effect. And so, you know, Ms. Reinhardt essentially blocking the takeover of Liontown and then chilling the SQM Azure deal. Uh, if you are marking those companies down 30, 35%, you're really marking the Australian lithium market down 30 to 35% because they kind of are 
the market noise. Does that have ramifications into other minerals and resources like precious metals? I, I think that was that, that. I think that really was more of a lithium thing, right? Okay. That's a very specific corporate event M and A tactical strategy around a lithium story. But broadly speaking, you know, we have the same challenges in terms of you know with gold, for example, which is is what we do. Uh, you know, there is you know a lot of conversation about, hey, you know, is gold sentiment negative? And I don't think anyone's negative about gold. I think people just still remain uninterested in gold, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, you know, the Australian gold juniors and majors are down as well. Um, you know, I think compared to the Canadian market, the ASX has a bit more liquidity right now. And so yeah. we've actually seen a number of groups looking at leaving the Canadian market to come to Australia for a listing to access capital, really? which is a fairly dramatic, uh, it's a fairly dramatic move, right? Wow, um, that so is dramatic. It's, it's, not just, it's not just capital withdrawal, but it is issuer flight to a different uh. exchange. Um, you know, hopefully that reverses, because that's not healthy for any market if, no. if people are having to literally jump, you know, transnationally to, to or internationally to, um, to, to relist just to access capital. Um, but look, it, you know, from our standpoint, uh, you know, we see the market firming up around the gold story, you know, internationally. So my background is I'm an economist and, and sort of I look out sort of these macro trends and, and sure. this is how we invest. You know, there is definitely firming under the gold story internationally. We see a number of things that everybody's talking now about, you know, four or five major factors that are you know, potentially bringing gold back to the fore. For some good reasons and for some bad reasons and some reasons we'll find out if they're good or bad in 15, 20 years. Um, but you know, for us, we have really focused, even though we've had this down market, we've really focused just continuing to do a lot of work. We're very well capitalized. We are constantly doing major work programs, constantly made, making progress. And so we have been relatively fortunate in that we've kind of broken away from the market. Uh, during the past 12 months, uh, we've had a number of significant updates uh, that we're now currently following up. But I think over the past 12 months, the you know the gold price and the Vanek producers index are kind of up around 15 to 20 percent, and we're up around 70 mm -hmm. percent. So um, that I think is a reflection of people starting to recognize that, notwithstanding these challenges that we all face, we are nonetheless progressing, and this progress is material and value add both on the corporate and the project front. So give us a sense of the end game here for Barton. I mean, what do you want to do with this? Is this something that on its own you see it as revenue um, generating kind of that gold insurance policy when shit hits the fan on the global in the global economy or is this something that ultimately you would be more than happy to sell to a mid-tier type of producer that's looking for this specific type of project. What is the game plan here? Yeah, look, I mean, the advantage that we have in, in the way that we think about our strategy is that we have infrastructure, so we can step forward into operations without a $250 million build. Right. Um, that's obviously a considerable advantage, and that, that is one of those things that, that stops many good projects from proceeding absent M&A. Yeah. Um, and we have built a team that, you know, just in our leadership team, we've got about 200 years of experience or more exploring for financing, permitting, building and operating major mining assets and with a particularly strong pedigree in South Australia and gold. 
So uh, three of my, my leadership team are actually formerly of Normandy Mining and Newmont Mining. So, mm-hmm. you know, for your listeners, listeners who may be a bit younger, today everyone's talking about or asking the question, hey, has Newmont sort of run the bell on the bottom of the market by buying Newcrest? 21 years ago, they rung the bell by buying Normandy, which was Australia's largest gold producer. So we have a lot of that expertise and mentality in-house. And so our competitive advantage is not only that infrastructure, but the fact that we are asset developers and operators, and we are going to build and operate these assets. So if we're having this conversation with somebody, it's more of a conversation around we are an opportunity to become the owners of a, re- of, a, of, of, a, of, a of a region, the strategic mm-hmm. controlling owners of a region, and we have built and consolidated that position. So there's a premium associated with that as opposed to maybe a more sort of traditional, uh, you know, explore, build, and sell model, which is someone else has a mill uh, and you're building mineralization to sell to them because you can get the uplift because they need to feed that mill. We have the mineralization and the mill. Uh, We plan to build a second mill. And, you know, that would essentially give us the only two gold mills in this very big gold region. Uh, And there's a whole bunch of junior groups coming in around us now uh, some of whom we're, you know, we would be interested to work with in the future as well. Sure. So we we have kind of a thirty-year mentality, and we build things around five and ten-year plans. And fundamentally, you know, our job as the directors of the company is to derive the best outcome for shareholders. Now, important to note, we are major shareholders, so board and management speak for about a quarter of the company. So we're very, very strongly aligned which might, you know, which might be one of the reasons we have a habit of outperforming, you know, our budget and outperforming in terms of costs and, uh, you know, actually delivering things. But, you know, if there's a conversation to have someday, you know, we will gladly have that conversation and you've got to be responsible. If somebody comes to you and and makes you an offer that is, uh, you know, through sober eyes and clear lenses, a better risk adjusted proposition than taking those next steps yourself, then you have a duty to really consider that quite carefully. Now we've set up a very de-risked pathway, so hopefully we don't, you know, have to jump at anything too early, too soon. But you never know what comes. Right? Okay. The market could turn very, very quickly. Uh, I hope it turns quickly. I soon. hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. uh, Alex. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, very interesting story. I'm glad we got a chance to talk. Uh, I was very unfamiliar with it, and, uh, and this is one we're going to follow. So that's maybe. Touch base again early next year to see what the latest updates is. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. All right, everybody. That's your introduction to Barton Gold. They trade on the ASX with the symbol BGD. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.